You know, I've been shopping for dumb phones, actually. Dumb phones? I've considered not, not using one, a smartphone, because I do find the smartphone is this void of just time waste that I have. I feel like it's like something I don't need. I don't need the internet everywhere. I think it's like a, a bad thing, actually. Not like universally, but I think the net is somewhat somewhat distracting and time wasty for me. I'm like, not. I don't feel present in the moment because mm. of my smartphone. I'm very like, oh, I should Google that. Oh, I should look this up. Oh, I should check my notifications when I feel like I could be like, just like present in the universe. I don't know. You see, I wish I felt that way, but what ends up happening is I'm, here's the thing. I never lose my phone. Do you know why I never lose my phone? Because it's glued to your it's eyes. You're always looking at it. Because I'm so addicted to my phone that like within five minutes, I'll be like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Oh, it's in my pocket. Yeah, it's like a, like a stress, like anxiety, right? About it. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah. an appendage. It's like a Cronenbergian appendage. That's just like a part yeah. of my body at this point. He mm. was right. Mm-hmm. Videodrome was true all along. He was all he was right. Cronenberg ran time. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, uh, I see that movie one of these days. Man, I I start to feel like such a boomer when I see like people that are in in their teens, I guess, with their phones. Like the the big boomer energy just starts coming out because I swear to God, the kids are are like you are, and they're just like, like there's just like a pure feed. Like it's like their VR headset, except they're holding it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I guess I'm grateful that I did the Peace Corps and I read a lot of books there, and I read a lot of books in my teen years because I feel so bad for a lot of these kids who are growing up and i doubt they've read a book before (laughs) like there's no way there's no way they read like one book a year in but because they had to do a book report in like elementary middle and high school and then then they're done they just read the cliff notes and that's it they not even that they don't even do that it's over how long does your phone last does it last like a day charge every day i don't know if you guys remember having a dumb phone they last like seven days yeah they last like a week yeah uh, oh, yeah. I was like, my iPhone like, oh, wow, that sounds great. 13 lasts about two days, sometimes three. Mm. Like I, I will forget. I'll be like, yeah. I won't even remember the last time I charged it. Like I don't remember the last time I charged it currently. I'm like, uh, was it yesterday, the day before? But uh, that's kind of a, it's new. And I think it's a little bit of an outlier. Like I think that just has a particularly good long life. But yeah, I remember having a phone for like a week or two. Like Oren, Oren probably doesn't remember this because he's too young. <laughs> 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 All right, I I'm kid, so I young. What, uh, what what was life before Twitter like? Yeah, I need what to was know. Life? Great, uh, really good, really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean the world for me. Well, the world was like better and worse. People were less obsessed about certain things, but more obsessed about other things. Uh, cancel culture was very monolithic back then. You know, if you wore like uh, if you didn't wear an American flag on your your thing, if you were a presidential candidate, you'd get canceled. Now you get canceled for saying something on Twitter. Yeah. I feel like uh, pre... Uh, pre different inter- groups doing it. Yeah. Initiating it. It was like a different political group. Yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. how I would have been like if I were my age, but in like 1995. I have no idea like what kind of person I would be, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a big PC gamer. No, I kid. Uh, guys... What happened with Gran Turismo 6? Uh, Gran Turismo. Grand Theft Auto? I see GT in my mind just went Gran Turismo. Got hacked by a, uh, a teenager. Was it? They stole. The teenager stole the footage. It's like true cyberpunk. Oh, like a wow. teenager hacked it. Wow. Yeah. 
Okay, so tell me more. I, I actually haven't been following the story because I wanted you guys so, to tell me about it. I watched the footage. Yeah. It's some extremely early I don't early dev footage. What's what what level in the cycle, I don't know. But um it shows the main characters, two different characters doing a multitude of different things. Um and it's it there's all these scripts and timers on screen basically it's like all the dev tooling is still like showing mm-hmm. like when the character like gets attacked it says like shouts exploit expletive like that's like this dialogue is that <laughs> it's course. very early um but it basically shows a male and a female character like breaking into a place fighting cops kind of just doing gta things i'll be honest i didn't i wasn't very impressed by it. not that not that the game is bad but i mean it's just so early on it's not really there's not really a lot to take from it other than the fact that someone leaked it you know, like, hey, cool, they're working on GTA 6. Looks like it's in Vice City. That's cool. Hmm. But uh, I don't have a lot of, like, I didn't, I mean, there's, like, really no impressions to make of it. It's so early on still. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. I, I, I think it was entertaining. Um, I obviously feel bad for the developers who didn't want that to get out, and it got leaked. But, um, yeah, my impression kind of watching early footage of the game it just doesn't it's such an early build that i can't really have impressions of it other than it just kind of looks a little generic and i don't know it's i'm not i'm not i kind of wish rockstar would just step away from realism for a moment and do something not so grounded in reality because i'm just getting especially which we'll talk about later having played cyberpunk 2077 over the past few weeks, I'm like, gosh, I really want more stylized open worlds like that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I could I'm go at. for that too. <laughs> it's cool. It's in Vice City. I like the setting, but oh, that is cool. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I've kind of GTA Six. Like I've been down this road, like you know, a lot of times already. It's cool, but like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I I guess I don't feel that excited about it, even though it's it's just it's just I guess it's just inevitable at this point the next gta game i'm sure it'll have like an amazing world probably like one of the best worlds ever made they they rockstar pretty much makes the best game worlds i think that's Hmm. i don't know you can make a pretty good argument in my opinion i think they're like the best game world makers and games or at least amongst i don't know they've been doing it longer than anyone else really right open world then bethesda maybe they really got to fix the mission design though yeah they do i don't think they're going to i think it's like become their design like that's like what they expect people expect now yeah like, tell me something people... guys do oh, you yeah, think that this will like gta in particular much less so uh red dead the worlds are very much potemkin villages with these giant boxes that look like buildings but you can't do anything they're, they're completely un non-interactable they're basically just boxes do you guys think that this will be true of this game yes hmm. okay <laughs> I don't think that they're going to change the formula that much. I think they're going to stick with what they've been making for the past 20 years mm-hmm. and probably just, you know, have a more more high-budget narrative, have a more high-budget, you know, all that shiny graphics and all that stuff. That, that's, I think, that's the kind of direction they've been going. That's where Red Dead went, too. Red Dead, Red Dead went, like, even more realism in the gameplay and the movement. Everything's slower and more plotting. Hopefully it's not like that. Mm-hmm. I hope they make it a little faster pace than Red Dead 2, but we'll see. Yeah. I also hope my other hope for this game is that it's a little bit less cynical. Uh, GTA Five was like the pinnacle of cynical, <laughs> and uh, I uh, didn't love it about that game. The tone of that game was a little painful for me. It, it was kind of like, okay, guys, all right, I get it. We do this for a long time now. I get these jokes, okay, but let's. I was something different. A little, a little, let's mix it up a little bit, you know. I don't know. That's my that's my my thought. 
I, I also hope they fix the trope, which is in Red Dead 2 as well, big time, where every side mission is run into crazy eccentric character. He's like, wow, I'm so eccentric. I need you to do something for me. Oh, okay. Okay, do that thing. Okay. And like that's yeah, that like was... every side mission. <laughs> yeah. And they're all insufferable. It's the Far Cry syndrome. Yeah. They're all like just annoying, loud, yowling people. Yeah. CD Projekt Red justifies that so well in their games because it's like uh, in Cyberpunk, for example, they're always characters with actual conflict and they're hiring you as a bounty hunter or as like an investigator. So they would need to they need to like justify it in that way. Like there were so many times in Red Dead 2 where Arthur Morgan literally just stumbles in somewhere and he's like, hey, could you like do this thing for me? Ah, I'm a crazy scientist. Ah, yeah. My invention could you isn't like working. 40 people for me. Please. <laughs> yeah, can you just Sure. Ah, these people. Oh, chase that guy. He took my thing. <laughs> but I'm sure I'll play I'll play this game. I'm sure I'm going to play it. I'm not going to not play it. Yeah. It's GTA, you know. It'll be a showpiece. Uh yeah, All right. Well, sure. that sucks for them, but I guess it's interesting for us to see to look behind the curtain and see how the sausage is made. Um It is, especially for Rockstar cuz Rockstar is like the yeah. most secretive company. Like no, we don't know anything about what's going on in there. Ever. Uh, speaking of secretive companies, uh, bad news from Jeff Grubb, who, who knows what he's talking about. He says, and I quote, nothing is happening with Bloodborne right now. While Sony could hire someone to come in and work on that, my understanding, and this could be wrong, but my understanding was from, from software built that game in such a way that you couldn't hire a team to just go in there and do the work for them. He's talking about a remaster. You'd have to work in conjunction with From Software, and From Software would have to be there with the keys in hand to unlock the doors to part of the code that is just a little bit spaghetti and a little bit messed up so they can guide you through it. And From mm. Software is just too busy to do that right now. So Jeff Grubb, industry insider, works with Giant Bomb, used to be on VentureBeat, has a lot of connections, says there's nothing happening with Bloodborne. What do you guys think about that? I believe it. From software strikes me as the type of person. Do you guys have you guys ever had like a code a coworker who uh, is like he he's he or she is just where they are really responsible for a process, and then like they ask you to hey like can you take over this process and then you go in to look at their Excel document and it's a fucking mess. That's from software. Yeah, I might they be have that the person, messy. But... <laughs> they have the messy impenetrable. Excel document that no one can understand. They're like, yeah. I don't know. You you do it. I don't fucking know. That's Bloodborne's code right there. <laughs> I believe it. Bloodborne had a lot of. Bloodborne had some technical issues too on on the console. So yeah. I, I just believe that. And based on playing their PC ports and all of their, they based almost on have every product every, they've ever every made, every game they've ever made. So I I just I don't doubt that in the slightest. And yeah, uh, I'm. I'm willing to believe all of all of that is very true, and it's disappointing, but I'm not surprised. It's a bummer because we're coming up on just two years from a from a decade from Bloodborne. <laughs> Bloodborne's ten year anniversary is is just a little bit over two years from now. So, so I I think that like it sucks, but I'm also like, well, I'm sure I'm making an Elden Ring DLC, and that'll probably be great. Yeah. Um, like I don't even know if and Demon Souls was remastered recently, remade recently, excuse me, mm-hmm. and that will eventually come to a platform that I own. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm kind of like you know I want it, but I'm like and even though I of course would take it today, 
I'm also like, you know, if they didn't remaster it for like two or three or four more years, it's okay. I'll play it one of these days again. It doesn't need to happen right now. Even though it has, God, I can't believe it's already been. 2015 it came out. 2012, 20, yeah, it's been, yeah, been a while. Yeah, All right. Well, that's uh, that's unfortunate news, but not really surprising to me. Uh, in other news, Star Citizen has now uh, acquired over a half a billion dollars in crowdfunding. This is a game that's never going to come out in any realized final form. It's, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it will, but Jesus Christ. It just sounds like I, it's a scam. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a scam. Yeah. It's been, that's ridiculous. I mean, they don't have, from what I understand, too, what I've read is that they don't have any transparency on, the, on what they've really been doing. There's a lot of, like, they know they've made a lot of mistakes on the stuff, and they haven't always been upfront about this. This is just hearsay, so uh, this is not my personal opinion, what I've heard, but I've just heard that they've been difficult, and, and they tend to miss deadlines almost always, and... It's a long time. They have this kind of infinite scope project they've been working on. It doesn't ever seem like it's going to come out. So I don't know. I had faith back when I played a build of it in 2016, I think. Uh, that was a while ago. That was six years ago. And uh, it doesn't seem like it's any closer to coming out now. They haven't even released a single-player campaign, which was – so I just I, – it does seem like a scam Yeah. to me. <sighs> Where are they oh, well. getting their money from? That's the real question. It's Kickstarter investors. Well, God. Kickstarter was the first round. They got a lot off that, but they sell in-game assets, yeah, right. basically NFTs, but not like like they sell digital assets for enormous sums of money. So people spend like twenty six thousand dollars for a digital, you know, space Corvette. Yeah, uh, that's right. It's it's supposed to also be like an investment in the development of the game, but. I don't know. If they release that game and it's and it's what they promise, I, I'd be really happy. But I just I don't see it happening. Yeah, it's weird. I watched a really good video a few years back that kind of chronicled the development timeline and like it made some pretty good conjecture at what is probably going wrong. And it seems like a combination of scope uh, scope creep, not really knowing what they're doing, and, and choosing the bad a bad technology, specifically the CryEngine, to try to do the kind of mm. MMO kind of thing that they're doing. So. We'll see. Hopefully that goes well, but I'm very, very skeptical. So skeptical that I, I almost didn't even want to talk about it. But but it's just a half a billion dollars. It's crazy. <laughs> like, like that's 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 a yeah. Anyway, uh, I think it's the Destiny One budget for all the marketing and everything. Like that's like hiring a Beatle to do a song for the game. Yeah, yeah. Level of budget, you know. Yeah, it's it's bonkers. Um, the Nvidia has announced their next generation cards. They are crazy expensive and allegedly really powerful. I uh, I read this and I, I'll be honest, I was pretty annoyed about it, and uh, I still am. <laughs> um, my opinion of it is just Nvidia is like we want to make sure that we can make that twenty twenty one and twenty twenty dollars from crypto that we were making back then. Now, make sure those investors are still happy with us, so we don't have a huge you know downturn in our or profit margins this year. So we're going to we're going to make the PC gamers pay for it. So I'm like I'm not buying from Nvidia until they we'll see what AMD does. I'm really curious, but it's pretty frustrating. Yeah. What do you think, Aaron? It's strange. It's it's so I don't know. Ultimately, I think that now is a great time to be a low-spec PC gamer cuz most of the games I play on PC are actually lower spec games that could be played on a laptop or a much more, you know, affordable build. 
you know, and uh, and I think that that's that's actually probably the best stuff that's happening in the PC space. So spending twelve hundred dollars on a single GPU when you could spend twelve hundred dollars on a on a full workstation that would be that you could work on, you could edit videos on, you could create stuff on and play games on would be a would be a better choice. Uh, it's also weird because Intel is entering the space. Uh, it's getting more yeah. competitive. AMD or AMD Nvidia claims that hey look you know wafer sizes are getting bigger like like. Moore's law is dead, so like these things are necessarily more expensive if you want more performance. Um, maybe I'll they're right to some extent about that. I don't know, but uh, it, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit loony. At the same time, me thirty eighty owner getting the FOMO. You know what I mean? Every time a new tech product comes out, the FOMO <laughs> hits hard. You're like, oh, well now now I <laughs> I'm only getting a third of the performance I could be getting if I just spent twelve hundred dollars. It's just it's just crazy. I mean, I can buy an Xbox Series X and play games at 4K at 60 FPS, and it'll be playable like that for years. It just it's just like why would I spend over twice that for just one component on a PC part? That's just it's just outrageous. I just it's not competitive. It's a joke to me, you know. I don't know. So I'm not really going to be investing in that. I'm going to be going with AMD or Intel. Maybe we'll see what happens. I don't really need a new. Comp- I'm not a new GP anyways. I need a new processor. So. What do you I guys? What do you guys think? Like, if you were to get a high-end PC as high-end as possible, is there a game out that would justify that? Like a crisis level? Which one? Yeah. What a segue that was. I got you. Just you just tossed me a ball, and and I'm gonna hit it right back to you. Uh, is there a game <laughs> that would justify it? According to Nvidia, yes. And that game has been has been blowing up lately. That game has been crawling up the Steam charts. I think it hit like a hundred. Let me look right now. Steam updated their stats page, which is nutty to me. But uh, right now, Cyberpunk hit hundred and thirty six thousand concurrent players today. And uh, if Let's you want to talk go. about a game that that having awesome. a high spec PC, Cyberpunk with all of the ray tracing dialed up, is like a different game. It, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't run it like that. But it, like yeah. like it it, it is truly next-gen stuff uh so if you want to spend five grand on a pc cyberpunk is going to be the game that's going to make you feel justified in that five grand uh definitely and speaking of cyberpunk like blown up like i said it's having a resurgence in in large part because they put out a big patch there's been a lot of positive word of mouth but most importantly there was a netflix anime that people really like that i think just like got got the the swirly going or tell me about cyberpunk uh, I, honestly, I think you covered it. I just think it's my biggest question right now is should it qualify as a game of the year contender since it kind of feels like it's done now? No, I, it feels I uh, like it's done. I gave it a game of the year. I don't remember if I gave it a nod or if it was like like fifth on my list of five. It was pretty pretty good on PC in 2020, but like you've been playing the game, right? Right. The Tell game feels done. Yeah. It feels like it's done. Like it I, I obviously got some funky bugs, but overall I would say it's like on par. Not even on par, I'd say uh even I, I've played um Obsidian games and Bethesda games that are way buggier. Like it feels really polished at this point. And I think it just kind of goes to show they just should have delayed that game on consoles and not released it on last gen because that that 
they would have their reputation intact. Uh, it seems like they're getting some of that good faith back, though, with because the game is at a really good place right now and it feels complete. And so that that's what. And I tried watching that side that uh, Edge Runner city uh, series a little bit. It's kind of funny because there's actually a side quest in the game that where you watch a brain dance and it teases the anime. And I thought that was funny because I was like, "What the hell is this?" And it's it, apparently it's like the opening scene of edge runners i watched one episode it seems promising um it's kind of cool because i think the uh, the lead uh designer the lead writer stressed that you're supposed to watch the show in japanese so i think that's kind of kind of yeah kind of cool that's interesting although however somebody as someone who's lived in california my whole life it, yeah, it's, very weird. it's a little strange to watch an anime that's supposed to take place in a location very near to where I grew up in Japanese, but I get it. I, 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 it was made in Japan. The anime was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it Studio Trigger? I think so. I I didn't look enough into the anime itself, but it seems like the Netflix series made it super popular. But also word of mouth. It it, it is pretty genius that they coincided with that the anime with this final 1.6 patch because yeah the game. I, I mean, I, I'm playing the I played the game on my Xbox Series S, and it feels good mm-hmm. on the Series S. Like maybe it's not high spec where you get all the ray tracing, but it runs at a solid 60 frames per second, and it consistently looks good. Yeah. Well, what do you Mike like? Mike and about? I were talking about this, oh, yeah. but I just wanted to mention. I just feel like this success they're having like really shows the power of tie-in media, like just how much it's blowing up i mean the, the patch has been good too but i feel like the last couple patches the game was also very playable to be honest yeah um so i just think that the the, the you make an anime for something you get <laughs> you get a market that's I, i'm impressed i'm really happy for them because i feel like they they in my opinion i've never seen any company in terms of video games take it so hard as them like that was just like brutal and that was some serious that was like holy crap so um i'm just I don't know. I'm just happy that they're able to kind of like revitalize the IP. Um, I, I think the setting and the IP is really cool. So I just, I, I want more from it. I, I don't want them to like give up on it and only make Witcher forever. So. Yeah. yeah. I think they're the best in the bids when it comes to open world games. So I'm glad that they, they're getting that goodwill back. However, I really hope for the Witcher four, they don't do the same thing again. I really want them to actually like release the game in a reasonable state. Um, I mean, again, I've, I've heard that the PC version was good at launch, but those console versions, that was just unacceptable. Yeah. Well, what do you like about the game, Oren? Like, uh, you've, you have been secretly sharing some, some juicy details with us, but uh, t- tell, me, uh, tell me a little bit about, about your experience. If you would, should we just go right into the games we've been playing? Oh yeah, that was the segue that you, I thought you you did uh, ten minutes sorry, ago. I thought we were thought that we were still on the news and update section. No, news so, has been updated. The news has been updated. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Um. I think it. If I had to describe it, I would say it. It's intoxicating. It is an intoxicating experience. And what I mean by that is. First of all, I played The Witcher 3 a couple of years ago. Loved that game. 
And one thing that really stood out, out about The Witcher 3 was CD Projekt Red just understands chemistry and how relationships build over time in a way that the characters start to feel like your friend after a while or like your romance and your love interest. And the thing that really stood out to me about uh, Cyberpunk, which I actually finished like last night, I rolled credits on it or like a day and a half ago or something. Um, I fell in love with uh, Judy Alvarez and like that was like one of the most amazing video game experiences because it actually felt like a budding romance that I was experiencing just the way it played out. I came to care about all of these characters like Johnny Silverhand and Pan Am Palmer, um, River Ward, like all these characters and just how they're, de- they're developed over these missions and how CD Projekt Red just kind of like lets you get just so wrapped up in their conflict through these side quests was just so powerful. And, um, and then on top of that, just like the setting and the world building, um, some of the anti-capitalist satire and how it's uh, presented, I just got completely lost and immersed in that world in a way that an open world narrative game hasn't really truly done before for me. Um, I think, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like, in games like Red Dead Redemption 2 and The Witcher 3, your role-playing is Geralt, your role-playing is Arthur Morgan. In this game, like, V, you are basically V, you know? And I think that first-person perspective really just made me just so, like, caught up in who my character was and the role-playing and all of that. So... I only have uh, great things to say about it. I just I was blown away by it. I uh, I obviously have problems with it. I think um, I think the inventory management system is a little cumbersome, which was also true of The Witcher Three, though honestly worse than The Witcher Three. It was pretty really cumbersome in that game. And and I know there there have been a lot of think pieces about some of the representation in the game. I think the Mexican representation was actually really good. Um, there's one funeral scene in particular that was really powerful and how like the culture was represented in that scene. Um, I do I do hear what people say about the Asian representation being a little strange. It's like it seems like every single Asian character is either wearing like a kimono and is talking about honor and has a samurai sword. <laughs> so I get that, but Anyway, I'm, I'm monologuing a little bit, but I just want to say that I just thought it was a fantastic game. It's like the first open world game that I've played in a while that felt just long enough. Uh, I clocked in, clocked in at 65 hours, and at the 65-hour mark, I felt like I did all the side quests that I wanted to do, and that I saw everything that I wanted to see, which was not true of The Witcher 3. By the time I got to the end of The Witcher 3, which was like around the 70-hour mark, I was like, there are side quests that I could do, but I'm I'm burnt out. I can't go any further. So th- this is like the first open world game that really felt like the right length. Anyway, <laughs> monologue over. That's how I feel. High level thoughts. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, I think I'll say that all I have to say about Cyberpunk, it's been a while since I played it, and, and I, I might touch it again when the DLC comes out, is that I think I said this way back in the day, but it's like you get to hang out with... Um, uh, Keanu Reeves for like 50 hours like Keanu Reeves is you can't undercut how much fun he is in that game 
And um, yeah, I don't know. What, Kevin, you've been playing it. I play a lot. Yeah, uh, I've been I've been enjoying it. I so I just had a question for you guys, and this is I don't think this is spoilery, but maybe maybe if it's a, if it's a very minor spoiler, maybe skip ahead. But I just felt like Keanu Reeves' character was like kind of a total asshole and like a dickhead, and I was like I don't like him at all in this game. <laughs> what? Um, did, did, it, yeah, I don't find him to be redeemable in any possible sense. So I don't really understand. Maybe I'm not far enough, but I, I'm moderately far. I'm about to meet Pan Am Parker in the story, so if that's some context, I don't know how uh, far that is. But I think that he starts off as a dick, but he quickly becomes quite endearing. I mean, for one, it's Keanu Reeves, and it looks like him. It sounds that's like him. That's why it's weird because it's like it's like he's like I've never seen Keanu Reeves as such like a shitty person it's like bizarre for me i'm so used to him being like the like baby face hero so it's like weird that he's well, like kind of this not a baby face anymore but uh he, what do you think Warren? when well, baby face in the rustling context of like the like shining star gotcha, gotcha. character well yeah here's what i think of keanu reeves i think first of all i i i have a, um, a preference for characters who are deeply flawed and you're not supposed to have like know how you feel about them for example tony soprano is like the perfect example of a character who does horrible stuff and he's really annoying but like you know he also has different facets that make him interesting but second of all uh johnny silverhand he does start off as like this kind of like annoying uh insufferable misogynistic asshole and you can't really stand him but i think what it starts to get really interesting when it kind of reveals like where like you start to feel like he starts to develop like a sense of regret and you start to see that regret where it's like, oh, I made all these decisions when I was alive and I never f- followed up on all these relationships that I want to follow up on. And I kind of just want to like rectify that. And then you kind of start to discover his politics and like how he's like this anti-capitalist revolutionary and the way he comments on certain things. Uh, there's this one brilliant quest that I won't spoil called Sinner Man. But one of some of the insights that he has and the conversations that you have with him in that quest in particular are fascinating. Yeah. And I, I also think he's a great foil to V because um, and this is why I like the anti-capitalist satire because and why it's not like easy to pin down because Johnny Silverhand, he is this anti-capitalist anarchist revolutionary who's about like, oh, we got to take down the corporations. We got to destroy everything. Uh, capital has ruined everything, whatever. Meanwhile, V is like totally motivated by money and working in the system. And everything V does is to just, you know, progress in society. So I think they're perfect foils to each other um, in that so sense. How do you play your V? Wait, I want to say one more thing because... about this Johnny Silverhand before, just before, just because okay. I think you may actually have not progressed far enough in the story he does start very antagonistic but as you progress in the story he becomes more and more helpful and and even kind of nurturing in a way so it's like there's a lot of development there like i think once you get deeper in the story he really becomes a really compelling partner because i was just like every flashback and everything they show him i'm like this guy is just like a psychopathic murderer like terrorist like i don't understand what's likable about this guy like he just attacked no people there's more shows. to him he just like that. shoots into the crowd with his gun it's like what a fucking lunatic like why am i supposed to like this guy but yeah. maybe i haven't gotten far enough i don't know maybe I, he comes with I don't know if you're even supposed to like him necessarily i think you're supposed to just like see he, he's just a character in your head that you have to kind of learn how to deal with 
and I think that's what so, makes it interesting. The way that I'm role playing V is I want to like get him out immediately, like get mm. him as far away as possible. Like have nothing to do with him. Is how I'm playing my V. My V is very neutral, evil though, just completely self self interested, and anyone else can burn basically. Generally, violence is the answer too. And I play V. Mm. I don't know for some reason that's just how she she just seemed to me when I was playing her. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go on this road. This is gonna be how I play V. Is just you know aggressive and violent, self motivated. It's fun to play RPGs that way, isn't it? Well, I don't. You know, be a little, maybe be a we should get in. yourself. Maybe maybe we should get into that because one of the things that I really loved about this game, it was were the um, immersive sim elements and how seamless and uh, emergent those elements are. Like the, there were so many missions where I would just like go into a location and like if I felt like stealthing it. I could stealth it, like, and it would feel very natural. I'd find some sort of shortcut. Like, I would hop over a fence, and then I would stealth my way and do the objective. If I wanted to just shoot everyone, I would do that. Sometimes I would find, like, a random third objective. Like, I would bribe the bouncer to lead me to my objective. And, like, it, it just felt so seamless. in Because usually immersive sims, you have to, like, replay a level a bunch of times to, like, really get that feeling of the immersive sim elements. But in that, in Cyberpunk, it was so, like, emergent. Like, it's so natural. Mm-hmm. Like, how they designed a lot of the encounters. Yeah. That was actually probably my yeah. favorite. That was probably, like, my single favorite thing about the game. Which I, I feel like I've heard a lot of people didn't seem to like it for whatever reason. But that it really? was an open world game. Because open world games tend to have very linear mission design. You think of, yeah. like, you know, every Sony... Red Dead. One, Red Dead. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, and, and this yeah. game, for the most part, it had some it had some set piece missions that I thought were actually pretty great. But it also had lots of freedom and flexibility. Like you're saying, you can hack everybody in the fucking room. You can sneak through yeah. and just go past them. You can just blast everybody, and it felt good every time. This is like the I like only. That about it too. This is the only game that I've played where I like the hacking. Mm. I usually hate hacking in video games. I hate hacking in every video game except for this one. I really like the like um, the way that the gameplay ties into like the way the world is too. Like it felt like like I like when you like you break into one mission, you fight like all these like cybernetic meatheads, and they're all like use like giant melee weapons. Like they're like big tank enemies. Like it fits like the aesthetic of like what the gang is, but also the gameplay like felt perfectly fitting for them. I just I felt like they they do that all that that stuff really well. Like and it felt like a very believable setting. Um, despite the fact that everyone is basically extremely nihilistic in this world, but that's cyberpunk, right? That's what it's all about. It's the, that's like what the genre is, right? So it, it felt fitting. But I also like on what you guys are saying. I, I like that you can stealth in, that you can melee in, you can shoot guys, you can hack them. Like you can, you know, hack the cameras or do, there's all these different methods. I do think that the world, when you're not in a mission, would be I think it'd be cool. If there's like a little more dynamic things happening, like with the NPCs or the police or something. It just needs like there just needs to be some other element in the world. I think the world is like a little not dynamic enough but the missions themselves i think are really fun i think and i agree with no one gives a credit for like we all we all like complain about rockstar and all their crap but like why does anyone give this game credit for the missions for being great and the writing is also really good i love the like a lot of the characters that clouds mission was so good i was like really impressed by that one when i played it oh the clouds one oh god that was such a good mission oh my god that's the one where you're talking to the doll that that that's what that was a great mission that's a fan favorite that's a great one um yeah no, I, I do agree that sometimes the world can feel a little superficial. One thing that it does do, though, that, that I was just complaining about Grand, uh, Grand Theft Auto not doing, is there are, well, obviously most buildings you can't fully explore. There are many buildings that you can go in to some extent. You can kind of go into the hallways. Um, 
they end up end up setting a lot of missions there. But you can also end up just visiting them, and it just gives the world a little more believability. Uh, I don't know if you guys got the like jump augments, but you can get these leg jump augments. Jump. You can actually get a double jump one, so you can basically jump like yeah. fifty feet high, and uh, you can start exploring the rooftops and stuff. And you'll just find someone's um, porch, and you can just go into their apartment. Like, like it's not a fully fleshed out city, but it felt a lot more fully fleshed out in ways at least in terms of architecture than, than a Grand Theft Auto does to me. I, I, yeah. I actually I actually want to push back on one thing Kevin said and one thing that you said, Aaron. I actually, I think I keep hearing that they, like people say that the world's superficial or is like a little superficial, but I think like the game does such a good job kind of challenging some of your preconceptions about it. And I actually have an example that comes to mind um there was a lot of controversy over the fact that the um that one of the gangs that's mainly uh made up of like uh of black europeans uh creole um uh, gangsters uh like they were called the voodoo voodoo boys in the game and like a lot of people were saying oh that's so racist and you know justifiably so but there was a time where i had this conversation with a random shop owner and i'm like hey do you know about the voodoo boys and the shop owner said don't call them that you're just perpetuating like something that we don't want to be called. And I was like, Oh, that's like really interesting. Right. Hmm. That is not what I expected from a game like this. Like kind of like little nuances to, you know, cause like you can wa- look at something and get a gut reaction from it. Like that's so racist. Why are they called the voodoo boys? But then like you realize, Oh, there, there's something deeper at play. Um, and the other thing that I would say is like a lot of people talk about how like, how nihilistic the game is. I actually thought uh, the more that I played the game, there are just so many moments of beauty and of like this world that's been lost to corporate capitalism. And uh, there's a, one particular mission with Judy Alvarez that really uh, explores that where you're exploring the ruins of a city that has been destroyed by um, an ordinance project um, by a capitalist private company and I think that the game just has these moments of like, wow, like there's a real sense of loss to this world um, that I th- don't think is talked about more. So yeah. I wanted to lightly push back on those two points, but th- I, that's how I felt. I hear you. I, I do think when you're walking down a street, you will see many NPCs that are 0% interactive and yeah. don't seem to respond much to what you're doing. Uh, and and it, that's that's not a huge problem because Assassin's Creed does the same thing, and everybody knows I right. love Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is on uh, Game Pass, by the way. That may actually be a, a good. That's that is the best Assassin's Creed game. This is kind of a, a brief tangent, but uh, that that is on Game Pass now, so worth checking out. Uh, like so, th- we expect these things of of a lot of these open world games, um, and, and it's a nitpick, right? Because the world does achieve a lot. Like the architecture is both ugly but awe-inspiring at the same time uh in the world says this incredible like verticality like just the way that mm-hmm. like the buildings look and everything's like crammed together so it's like huge and claustrophobic and awe-inspiring all at once i totally agree yeah yeah uh, uh i'm trying i'm trying to think of because there's so much i feel like that i want to say about this game but i just uh yeah like apologies in retrospect for my monologuing but i I clearly feel strongly about it i think it's uh a game that i would love to circle back to when we talk about games we played this year at the end of the year not Mm -hmm. necessarily as a game of the year contender but just in terms of like i'm still kind of in the honeymoon phase of it yeah so i wonder how i'll how i'll feel but like right now um 
I don't know. When I finished Red Dead Redemption 2, for example, I was super blown away by that game. But, like, as time went on, I was like, ooh, there are these, like, I, I just don't ever see myself re- replaying Red Dead Redemption 2 because of some of the game design. Yeah. But, like, at, yeah. at this point right now, I could see myself doing another playthrough of Cyberpunk. Probably not right now, but, like, maybe in a year. Yeah. I could see it feels myself. like it might be meant to be pl- replayed. Like I think they designed it that way. Yeah. It doesn't like I could never replay Skyrim, or even Oblivion, or like I just per- just not personally. I'm not or saying it's Elden on the Ring, but the- Elden Ring I replayed. I replayed. I played Elden Ring like four times. Okay. But- yeah. I played it. <laughs> but I but uh, Elden Ring also feels meant to be replayed. In yeah. My, in my opinion. Yeah. But I guess this game it felt like they give you like multiple paths you can start, and then you have some agency. I'm not sure like how much agency you actually have over the whole story and ending and and the lives and deaths of the characters. I'm not sure. I haven't played enough yet, but. But it does seem like there could be multiple ways that things could play out. So if you're interested, it could be cool to see how, the, how that, if, if they do, if that's something. I definitely do. I, I think I got my fill for now, but I definitely see myself doing it a second playthrough sometime in the next year or so. Because, like, yeah, I, I would love to romance a different person, play the game as a corpo, Maybe have a different moral value system so, as I play. Yeah, what was your starting I, backstory? Yeah, so I asked you, what was your? How do you guys play this V? What was your? Who was your V's? Yeah, where were they? Uh, I was a nomad, um, and I, you know what? Like, I played the game as I personally would, like what decisions I would make. Like that's the way I played the game. Mm-hmm. So like, I know some people are like, I want to be the diplomat, I want to be the violent murderer. I just did what I felt was right in the moment. Um, and then I, as for weapons, I mainly used like this big ass power shotgun that would just wreck everybody. <laughs> How about you, Aaron? Uh, I went full Patrick Bateman on this motherfucker. And uh, let me tell you that the Corpo <laughs> intro, I think, is the intended one just because it seems to be the most robust. Like it's it's a pretty, seems like they spent a lot of time on that one. I think maybe relative to some other ones, but uh, it's it's uh, it's an interesting introduction. I I, I I played Corpo and then played like a, hor- a Corpo with a with a very hidden heart of gold that slowly, slowly got revealed through uh, lots of stuff. That, that was my V's character arc. Although I didn't beat the game, so my my V's still on, still at least half a piece of shit. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to do Corpo because I just was like I don't want to be a fucking Corpo. I would never do that. I kind of wish I did. I played a nomad the first time. So I played two characters. I made, I made a um, street kid at first, but I just didn't feel like it was me. So I re-rolled as a nomad, um, and it was more my speed. I'm not sure how much of an impact it actually makes on the game, but there is moments where not you can mention, like I'm I'm working on the Panam Palmer mission. You know, very, again, very light spoilers, and just I can mention that I'm a nomad mm-hmm. to her, to to the person I'm talking with about that hmm. mission, but not not a lot of impact from that otherwise. But it's it's cool. Yeah. yeah, you you unlock a lot of dialogue options specifically with Pan Am when you play as Nomad. Ah, okay. So yeah. cool. Hmm. That's cool. Pan Am is hmm. one of my favorite characters. I love I love Pan Am. Uh, she's she's there. There's so many great characters in that game. I got actually really wrapped up in River Wards. Um, <laughs> here's one last thing I want to say about this game, just to illustrate how immersed I was in this game. So I was playing as female V. And uh, I decided to romance Judy Alvarez. Um, and 
there was a moment where I was with River Ward because he's another romantic partner you can romance. Sorry if these are spoilers. I should have said that these could potentially be spoilers. So sorry about that. Minor cyberpunk spoilers in this whole podcast. Yeah. Minor. I feel like the game has been out long enough that people at least know to a certain extent that there are romantic partners in this game. But yeah, um, I was uh, I was sitting with River Ward and he, he, he decided to make a move on me. And I was so immersed in my character that I felt ashamed that I was going to reject him. So I literally looked away from him because I was so ashamed <laughs> that I was about to reject him. And that's how immersive this game was for me. Nice. I was actually like, I care so much about River Ward at this point that like I feel so bad about rejecting him. Anyway, I love this game. I'm excited to get further into it. Because <laughs> that reminds me of like Mass Effect. That's the kind of stuff that Mass Effect has that real like character building relationship stuff, which I really thought was really well done. So I'm excited to see it in this game when I get further. I haven't gotten quite far enough, but... I think uh, for sure. I think the S tier of care, of relationship building in games are like Mass Effect, Witcher, Cyberpunk. Those are like the, the mm. big three in terms of like, holy shit, I care so much about these people. <laughs> nice. Oh, so yeah. a lot of people have said that uh, they consider CD Projekt Red to kind of be like the the team that's carried on the Bioware style. Yeah. Bioware is kind of not the same company. They kind of are, but they eh, they've kind of changed a lot. Um, and I, I know The Witcher just didn't do it for me for reasons I've said. So I'm now they have a new sci-fi game. I was like, oh, I'm so excited. So I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I'm 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 gonna get. It. I'm working on it. I'm gonna get there. They have a I'll new definitely sci-fi beat game? this game. Are you talking about Cyberpunk? This game. This okay. game. The, the, at the time, I was too, saying too I was old. saying like, oh, I didn't. You know, the Witcher didn't do it for me. The setting wasn't yeah. my jam. But yeah. but then I was like, oh, they're making a new sci-fi game. I'll probably, Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk's my favorite setting. So like, oh, I'm totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I like Cyberpunk more than The Witcher Three, to be honest. I, I fucking loved, especially the DLC of The Witcher Three. But Cyberpunk, like, I think it could be the setting, but I just think it just feel. I just like it more. I, I like the mission design more. I like the combat more. I like the characters more. I like the setting more. So I have a couple questions about the gameplay for you guys. Just on this, on this, we're talking about this game. I'll make, I'll make it quick. No, One thing, I think the shooting feels great. Uh, I, I love the guns. I think the smart guns are horrible, though. They're just terrible, right? The ones that like shoot the homing bullets. Do you guys ever use those? I don't think I used it much. Like, I, I, I used it. Yeah. I used it because there are enemies that like Move are fast. really fast and they're really good oh, yeah. at taking them out. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Sensible. Okay. And also, uh, this game has the Oblivion and Skyrim thing of where you can have like ten thousand healing items, mm. and I feel like any tension in combat is like reduced when i have like 400 like huffable healing items so i was like yeah oh i'm recovering i mean just heal my 300th healing item do you feel like that that like that they should do the the souls thing where you can only have so many heals like how would that work in an open world game do you think do you find any problem with that design because i feel like there's some there's a there's a problem in my opinion because there's no tension as long as i can take cover and like you know inhale my juice yeah you should I'm only be able to, to have like let's say three to five and you have to bank it. I don't know. They'd have to design their combat missions yeah. around that. But like, and then the rest are in the bank. It'd be tricky with an open world. Go to the bank yeah, to get it. Hard. Like, cause I can't hold, you know, fucking 7 million Tylenol in my back pocket. Yeah. Uh, so I feel you. Uh, Oren, I, I, I have yet, I have yet to play an open world game with good inventory management, to be honest. Hmm. <laughs> because yeah. I feel like everyone I've played, has been bad. And so, yeah. I, so I felt like, like Elden Ring or Souls games, they, they, they solved that problem. Like yeah, it, it, the inventory management. I, just, I didn't think. You it was, think Elden Ring has games. good inventory management? Uh, Elden Ring has terrible like upgrading. The crafting. Uh, the, the crafting and upgrading in Elden Ring is bad. The upgrading, I thought Dude, was fine. I didn't like the crafting. I, I love really? the grid. Really? But looking the for the stones? 
Sorry, we keep talking. Yeah, because you just can, you can buy them all. Uh, that's true. All right. Uh, so, or quickly, uh, apologies. I realized that I, I botched your segue. Do you want to talk about Watch Dogs really quick? <laughs> oh, uh, I just wanted to say really quickly that I was really craving an open world game. Like, I really wanted to get immersed in one, and I ended up playing Cyberpunk. I played way too much of that game, 65 hours in a little over two weeks. I shouldn't have done that, but I was really feeling it. Sometimes I just I just wanted that immersion. But before I did that, I tried playing Watch Dogs Legion, and I got about four hours into it, and that is a bad game. Mm. Bad game. <laughs> Do yeah. not play Watch Dogs Legion. If you want to play something so bland and boring you can't stand it, play Watch Dogs Legion. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Unfortunately, I agree. Uh, okay, quickly, keeping in um, on the topic of games that came out <laughs> a year or more ago. Kevin, you've been playing some Deathloop. What do you think? I haven't played some Deathloop. So I played it um, when it came out. Um, Aaron was there, actually, the whole time that I played it. Oh, yeah. And I thought it was <laughs> whatever... I was kind of worried it was going to be a roguelike. I don't like roguelikes, as I mentioned, so I, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to play this. But it's definitely not a roguelike. But um, before I talk anything else about it, I do find the whole loop thing to be somewhat worthless or doesn't really mean anything in that game. I, I don't know why it's there. What do you mean? Like, is it... So the game is built around you replaying mission, missions and mastering them, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I think that gameplay is fun. Um, Hitman does that, too. There's no time loop in Hitman, right? Oh, why, yeah. why does it... Why does it need to be in this game? Like, can we just have missions? Like, do I need to start the whole game over again? Like, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I guess it just ultimately ends up being that you have to do a linear path to beat the game. You do, yeah. That's really what, what the loop ultimately means. I guess they were more for the story impacts why it was there, but I felt like from a gameplay perspective, the loop was unnecessary and just kind of punishing in a way that I didn't really like. Like, if I could just replay into the missions at any time, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I, get, I just didn't like that element. It was kind of like... I have a thought about that. Do time loops? Uh, I think that they probably had much grander ambitions when they first started making this game. And due to sort of feedback and sort of the you know, time constraints and just sort of like development constraints, they scaled it back a bit. Because I've heard, uh, I want to say the name is Dinka Balkoba, the lead designer. I'm sorry if I'm getting your name wrong. Uh, he uh, was talking about how they had earlier versions of the game where there was like no hints and you had to like, totally unpuzzle itself so i think they originally wanted to make a very much like puzzle game and then realized that, that was mm. way harder than they thought it would be so they kind of turned that puzzle game into a more linear game and so we're kind of left with with something that's that's a little teeny bit compromised gotcha okay because the loop like i said loop didn't really make sense but the gameplay the momentum gameplay is really good i think it's like the immersive simi elements it's kind of like immersive sim light like you don't really have to manage a lot of things you have to manage an immersive sim which i actually think really works for this game because it's very fast paced i don't think i've ever played such a fast paced immersive sim because this game you can really do a lot of things in a very short period of time like and you also can play it super loud and aggressive which doesn't always i feel like it's like an immersive sim with good shooting too which is like mm-hmm. rare because they usually have like bad shooting <laughs> so uh i like that about it too um, I love hacking the turrets and using them against the uh, Eternalists. I found the Eternalist dialogue to be very annoying when I was playing the game. And I also found Juliana and Colt's dialogue to be very annoying when I was playing the game. So what I ended up doing is just changing the game into <laughs> German. 
So they all speak German. <laughs> so now it just shows like I'm playing Wolfenstein. And uh, That's so funny. it's great. Actually, it's amazing. And it's funny because I played so much Wolfenstein that a lot of the combat dialogue, I'm like, oh, it's I'm Wolf. They're playing Wolfenstein quotes. They're saying like things like I know these German lines. So <laughs> I played so many. Like, like I'm changing position. Like, you, Aaron, I'm sure if you played it in German, you'd know it too. <laughs> so it's kind of funny to hear Colt and Juliana like bantering. Like I turned the dialogue off. I found like Juliana's character to be like, she's like a little bit like sarcastic and like sadistic. And I don't know. She just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. She made a bad impression. <clears throat> and Colt seems like a little freewheeling goofball. And I, I just, I don't know, the, yeah. just, the tone just didn't do it for me. So I, I don't know what, what they were going for. But uh, <laughs> in German, it's great. It's, it's, quite, a, it's quite amusing. That's um, funny. But I do think the, the moment-to-moment gameplay reminds me somewhat of Bioshock. I feel like that's like almost <laughs> the closest thing I could think of is like a shooter that's also an immersive sim. Yeah. Um, it's been really fun to like, sneak in and like master one of my favorite my favorite level in the game is the complex i think it's called which is the like one of the lab has igor and uh wing wing she whatever her name How yeah when her name when i think when yeah, i think it's yeah uh, wing, those are know. the levels I like, I like the most yeah so I, i've been i've been mastering those levels doing the 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 loop of for lack of a better word of like getting um all of the different uh weapons and armors and then infusing them or and, and I, upgrades has been really fun mm-hmm. like hunting them down and trying to find all the new infusions and like Managing the resources for that has been really fun. Uh, the wolf mission. Did you guys? You guys beat the game, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The wolf mission. So you know the mission at nighttime with the wolf guy. He has like it's a party with like a wolf hat. Alexis tail, wolf hats on. Right, right. That's like literally Alexis, the, yeah. beating the game. But yeah. So I I went in there and I just put turrets everywhere. Oh wow! Like like thirty turrets and like there was this like gunfight that went on for like five minutes. I <laughs> get <laughs> the turrets and like the entire party. It was like. There was like like thirty or forty bodies. They all eventually disappeared, of course, which kind of sucks that the corpses vanished. Yeah, I wish they didn't. No I kind of want to see the body pile. Yeah, but whatever. It's not, I guess it's the story is that they, they they go back and they loop again. So it it kind of I guess makes sense. But uh, I because the game's in German, I turn the subtitles off. I don't know what's going on in the story. I have no <laughs> idea what's happening at all. <laughs> well, uh, watch it on YouTube because there's uh, some interesting t- uh, twists and turns. But um, okay, so the story is interesting. Uh, what I'm gathering is is Colt is the villain and he's just a bad person and that's why everyone hates him and he's just trying to kill everyone and, and leave. Um, uh, I don't know. The story's interesting. He's the anti-hero? I, 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 if I okay. recall correctly, Oren and Zach were not huge fans of the story. I, I wasn't like blown away by the story, but I, I I felt reasonably compelled till the end. So like the writing and all that like I don't like, but like mm-hmm. the gameplay is so good and it plays so nice. I really feel like there's Wolfenstein element in this game. Hmm. Like this game feels like there's definitely Wolfenstein 2. Like, you can dual-wield. Yeah. The, just the way that the dual-wield controls and plays and the, and the, the way the guns feel yeah. feels some machine games to me. Um, and I also like how they even have a Vector Wolfenstein. Do you guys did you find those mm-hmm. like, the arcade cabinet? Yeah. They also have Doom as well yep. and Vector. It's like 60s Vector. It's really That's really cool. <laughs> I really like the uh, the detail. Uh, I The Eternalists are also... Is that what they're called? The Eternalists? Yep. They remind me of the Splicers. They're like a lot like the Splicers. They're like yeah. not monstrous. But they're they have a similar kind of like everyman like they're just like or just they're just like people basically that you're fighting they're not like mm-hmm. soldiers or m- mutants yeah uh, it's been fun I'm, I haven't beat it yet um, I feel like I don't like I may use a guide to get the right path I, I don't know I'm not sure I, I find the 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 like actual way to beat it seems like it might be annoying to me oh like you I'm might be like screwing it. yourself over by not having subtitles on. Like I think oh. you might need to listen to the dialogue to because because the so every time you start the game Juliana starts like talking shit and I'm like yeah. I just don't want I don't care Juliana shut up like go away well like, just, let me I'll fight you and it'll be fun but like just 
you, come back and fight here's me. the thing you also get like you, the game keeps track of what you need to do next so it's not like you need to be when something you'll trigger a yeah. thing and then it'll trigger the next thing so it's not like you can really fuck up too badly okay um just look at your little board uh, that's what i've been doing yeah i'm looking at the board i i figured like uh i've got some stealth kills on some of the um people the journalists all the visionaries oh, visionaries yeah uh, it was fun. To, like I like. I actually like how you have to sneak attack. Um, what's her name? Because I was just with the bomb off. I thought that was like a cool. I know. I feel like the the mission design and like the planning and like the game is are all really good. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they should have done like a just different writing. The writing is just. I don't know, man. I don't get it. Like what happened with Arcane? Like this game and Redfall have this like quirky like oh, we, writing. We know what like, happened. Where's pre- Where's Prey? Prey was like so, the serious like hard sci-fi no, no, no. And, and 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 dishonored, and now we have. So what happened, here, guys? I'll, I'll what, tell you what happened. <laughs> we, we know what happened because there's been some like minor leaks on this. But Arcane makes like three of the most dour, humorless games of all time, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and wow. that are not user friendly. So they're like, you need to make a game that's 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 more immediately charming and funny and user friendly. So they make Deathloop, which is which is kind of all of that. I love that you say that it is kind of like a, it's kind of like an immersive sim with training wheels. It's like meant to teach people how to play Dishonored. Yeah, I think and it's like it's like chill, chill immersive sim. Yeah, yeah, and and I love that it gets rid of save scumming. Like you can't save scum in that game. You can't save scum. Uh, yeah, which is good. maybe the biggest problem with with historically for, with immersive sims. Gloomwood, which I'm going to talk about next, also addresses that problem. Um, I, I replayed a bit of this game. I spent like two hours, three hours playing it on Xbox, and it was really nice to play it without the sort of strange like expectations and like like it it was yoked when i played it last year like like because it it just got all these 10 out of 10s and then there was performance issues and there was some bugs and other weird shit so even though i enjoyed the game there were some things getting in the way of my enjoyment and now it's a year later I, i already have developed thoughts about the game and they've actually patched it pretty extensively they fixed the ai the enemies are much more aggressive than they used to be and much smarter um, so the mm-hmm. game is just more fun. The bugs are basically gone, except for on that Xbox Store version, which is fucked. And um, it, it, I was really having—I was having more fun than I would have guessed. I was like, maybe I should replay this game, which I would not have would not have occurred to me if I hadn't started playing it. Hmm. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are after you roll credits, because I just kind of left that game with this very like that was less than the sum of its parts feeling and i just ultimately found it disappointing um Mm. not not to rain on your parade if you if you love it if you love the game like aaron awesome all power to you well like aaron Aaron, i wouldn't say aaron like loves it like he loves prey but like he he really likes it um definitely don't love it like i love prey but yeah no (laughs) yeah i think in terms of its like gameplay and like game feel and combat it's probably the smoothest playing immersive sim that exists i don't think there's one that plays like moment to moment shooting and playing this game feels like it feels like a shooter it's like it feels really good yeah I was really like the guns are well thought out, and there's all these different variants of them. And they go like they, boom. They definitely put, Sounds like a fucking cannon. Yeah, they I, feel very powerful. They're they're it's really fun. The animations are very high quality. It's it's it feels well made. Like it's it's, I like playing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I definitely want to touch base with you when you roll credits to see like how, where where you're at with it. Um, but yeah, like I, that that's my two cents. That's kind of how I felt about that game. Uh, I remember Zach being really down on it. I was less down on it than him, but. Um, like I, I think I think what I liked about the most is what you're saying, Kevin. I just liked, like I really love the rapier. 
um, that uh, ri- single shot rifle is just really fucking. So it's good. like the best part of the game is the rapier. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> I love that boom, too. Yeah. boom. Just, I also really like stealthing in and then turning the turrets on the Eternalized. Like, I, it hasn't gotten old. Like, I've done it, like, 30 times, and I still do it. Anytime yeah. I get the chance, the, 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 the turrets are just... They're the turrets straight out of Prey. They look exactly like the Prey turrets. Yeah. Like, they're not even, like... I think they're, like, a, they're a homage to the Prey turrets, yeah. right? No, I, I love that you are enjoying setting up and executing plans because that's so much of what makes an immersive sim we'll talk more about this in a minute uh uh it's such an interesting genre and that it sounds like it's really communicating that well to you so i i think like i think it's in a much better state than it was a year ago and i'm, I'm really glad mm-hmm. that you're having a good time with it and i, I might continue to play it too yeah. so it's been i'm glad it's on game pass because i've yeah. heard it's done really well on game pass apparently like like I'll, like it's i think it's the most played game pass game oh interesting that's, or downloaded that's cool yeah so i think it's cool i just think it's because like, i think arcane like I don't know. I think Arcane's like, you know, every Arcane game I will always play. There's no question I will play every... I haven't played Dishonored 2, but I will play every other one. <laughs> I will play Dishonored 2. I'll play it eventually. Dishonored 2 but, but, is my favorite, to be honest. I really um, love Dishonored for some 2. Reason Dishonored, the only reason that Dishonored doesn't speak to me as much for some reason, but that's not... We can talk about that in the next segment. Right, but, um, right. Uh, I think that they're an amazing developer, and I feel like they never quite got their do i know dishonored got good reviews but i don't know i just feel like like i feel a little bit this way about machine games as well like machine games are like wolf Sun, which was really well received everything after that was kind of like a little more you know up in the air so i, I think it's cool this game is like got good reviews and that it's doing well on game pass so yeah i, I like arcane me too uh and i look forward to uh whatever they put out next year so uh what the hell is that game called redfall uh all right well that's awesome and uh let me quickly touch base i i spent $70 on a nine-year-old game, The Last of Us Part 1, and uh, I played all the way past uh, the State House, which is, you know, three or four hours in the game, I think, and I'm having a good time. I'm actually finding the re-remaster, whatever you want to call it, The Last of Us Part 1, more enjoyable to play than the PS4 remaster because of the upgraded AI and the controls that feel much more like The Last of Us Part 2. The combat feels way better than it did. I remember kind of dreading combat in the original Last of Us and I think that it feels really good now and it's got all those Last of Us Part 2 style animations and like gore and I don't know. I'm, I'm having a good time. It's definitely still The Last of Us Part 1. The play spaces are a bit more confined although still still flexible. Um, I don't know. It's a good game. I can see why it's a classic. It's like I literally just played like four or five hours without even having to try it. That game just kind of keeps you going. So the first, the Last of Us Two had really good stealth, as we all talked about, yeah. and it had I really like the stealth. It had really good combat. I actually thought it was like clunky, but it was like, not clunky. It was it was imprecise, mm-hmm. like intentionally imprecise, mm-hmm. like, imprecise in the way that really worked for it. Do you think that this game have the like different types of enemies? Like Last of Us Two had like or- orthogonal, it had like the troops, and they had like the like melee enemies and like the bow enemies. They had all these different kind of variants. Does this game have that? Do they add that? Or is it just kind of like they didn't add anything? The same? No, they're, they're, they are what they were before. I think it mostly has like okay. soldiers and zombies, um, okay. and but there's different types of humanoid enemies. But they're all, t- to what I understand, they're relative, or at least what I've experienced so far, pretty much the same. I do think that the zombie stealth parts, and I felt this about the Last of Us Part Two, are not the strongest part of the game. And I think it's a bigger, a more prominent feature of this game, maybe. Or you could maybe speak mm. to that. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. There's a uh, there are a couple of missions that are like really heavy on the zombie stuff. Um, uh, yeah. But it, it looks great. 
I've got it running in uncapped performance mode, so it's running between like 80 and 90 FPS the whole time, which feels really smooth. Looks great. Um, the haptics are well implemented. I probably should have waited till it was on sale, but I don't know. I wanted to try it out and figure out. Figured it'd be worth how talking long, about. How long was the ladder carrying part? Did they reduce that? <laughs> the ladder carrying part. <laughs> Since I've played the first four hours of the game like four times, I literally I just walk right to the ladder, move it over. So each time it's about five seconds for me. But um, <laughs> the ladder carrying part. I will say, you and I have had conversations about how long that game takes to get into the action. I clocked it at about 23 minutes before you're really, not not exploration walking, but you're like, you're like shooting, sneaking, all that shit. So not too bad. That's in the half-life window. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm having a good enough time with it. I'll probably play it through. Uh, it's, it's a good like late night, sit down, play an hour, come back to it. Um, but the game that I want to talk about today more than that is Gloomwood. Gloomwood, uh, a game I've been following for a long time. It is initially proposed as Thief with Guns. It's being developed uh, out of New Blood Interactive by Dylan Rogers and David Simansky, who made Dusk. So, And he also made Iron Lung, which I, I spoke about a few episodes back. Uh, this game is like if somebody... Let me, let me back this up two steps. I love the concept, right? Ghost. Kevin's wearing a ghost shirt right now, which is so perfect. Ghost proposes itself to be a band that, like, it's the best band from the 70s that you've never heard. The best 70s or early 80s metal band. But, like, they got lost in time and somebody found the records and, like, oh, my God, this is actually the best band. Like, Gloomwood is doing that. Like, it's it's like, oh, this is this is a hidden classic that's been lost to time but come back to us. Um, and it totally looks like that. It feels like that, but it also manages to feel like thoroughly modern, right? Like it's 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 following the design philosophy of, you know, Looking Glass circa 1998. But like you can mantle the controls, don't feel finicky. There's no weird bugginess. It's very polished. The menus look good, so it doesn't have a lot of that sort of like age that you get with those old games. But it has that same sort of uh, style. That's that's that like just. Like just just like paints a picture in your mind more than on the screen because you know it's a very pixelated, polygonal looking game. Uh, but I am absolutely having a great time with it. I don't know. You guys, I'm excited to play it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that you liking it because I played the demo and I wasn't sure about it when I played the demo. But I love the developer. Obviously, Dusk was my game of the year 2018. So like I think. I don't know. It's definitely like in my, on my. It's in my. It's like adjacent to my wheelhouse. You know. I feel like I should. I should be interested. So I definitely or or, or or like it even. Um, do you, do, how does it feel to play? So what that's is, a good like, question. What does it play like? It plays a lot like Thief. You move slow as fuck. Uh, you cannot run. You you cannot kick a lot of people's asses. So this may not be a game for you. This is a patience sneaking yeah. game. Um, Not a Kevin game, but uh, it, it <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I kind of I suspect that. Um, yeah, like it it feels like a smoother, nicer feeling thief. I don't know if you've played okay. thief, but like you move slow. I haven't played thief. You, you can't do you know like I have played thief. Yeah. Okay. I played thief yeah. earlier earlier this year, and I think if, I think I talked about it on the pod, and I was having a really good. Time. It had it had animations like somewhat like Mountain Blade. Okay. Like terrible. <laughs> yes. Terrible yes. animation. Thief yeah, the. Okay. Like, like yeah. your guys, like your whole when you're arm clubbing, your whole arm swings at like, like one mile an hour. Uh, yeah. No, this has really nice animations. Uh, it feels really good. So like, it doesn't have those, those limitations that you get with the old, like rushed low budget looking glass games. 
Um, it has an incredible diegetic HUD. Like Thief, you had this sort of meter that shows how much noise you're making or how much light you're doing. This, you have a ring. You can kind of see if you're totally immersed in dark or if you're in light. The stealth system is very much about being, it's about how much sound you're making and how much light is on you. So if you're in the dark and you're not making any sound, you're basically invisible, whether you're crouched or not. Mm. You know, whereas like, you know, Hitman, you crouch in the middle of a crowd. Nobody can see you because you're crouched. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> or like basically every modern stealth game, <laughs> like you just become invisible as soon as you crouch. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's no saves coming in this game. There's only save points. There are these awesome phonographs that play this, this like eerie little tune that kind of sounds, kind of sounds like a mix between the theme from... Um, the hell is that movie called uh close encounters of the third kind and uh closer by nine inch nails like if you fuse those two together and then slowed it down (laughs) it's like this incredible it's and it's great because you can hear it so it's like a little audio cue that oh you're getting close to a save point you can kind of hear it off in the distance um it has an re4 type uh inventory management so you have like a briefcase and you move stuff around on a grid and it's really satisfying like nice it's in early access so it's only about a three hour uh, segment right now. It's basically like a first episode, but I really, really liked it. Is it? Uh, nice. I'm kind of surprised that the game's just like not out yet because I feel like I've been hearing about this game for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I put a demo for it in like 2019. Yeah. That sounds about right. Maybe 2020. Um, Maybe 2020. Yeah. They, so I mean, I don't know how many people are working on it. I do know that New Blood has a kind of like, like they kind of help each other out a bit. Um, but I, I expect that this game probably won't be full release for a year or two. Uh, it, it's like, there is no timeline, so I have no idea. But the, f- uh, so if you want to wait and play the whole game in one chunk, which, which is probably the best way to do it, maybe wait, but know that like what they've put out now is like instant classic status, like, like right up there with dusk or something. It's like, they're, they're totally, 100% nailing the aesthetic and designs that they wanted to go for. That's, That's cool. awesome. It seemed like it had it had a cool atmosphere when I played it. I remember thinking that looked cool. The kind of like enemies are like little beams of light at their eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have like Metal yeah. Gear Solid cones. Um, yeah, the, but you can like see it on them. Yes, you can also see if yeah. what alert state they're in. If it's green, they don't see you. If it's yellow, they suspect you. If it's red, they see you. And you can also sometimes like they, like they'll come to a corner and you can just see the cone peeking around the corner so it gives you a little cue it works well uh, the, the level design is is which is really the thing that needs to be on point otherwise this this entire series is good for nothing is just incredible and, and just really beautiful and immersive so yeah and it's Gaslamp Fantasy right uh Gas. I Bloodborne-ish. mean, yes, very Bloodborne-ish. Uh, very re- yeah. reminiscent of Thief. It's kind of like this weird, like Turn of the century. Victorian with some touches of like Gothic okay. medievalness. I guess Victorian Gothic. I don't know, interchangeable, but yeah, yeah. Gotcha. All right. That's cool. Well, I, I'll I'll talk no more about that game. I also played a demo called Fortunes Run. PC Gamer was like, hey, oh, yeah. if you want to play. An update to Dark Forces, this is it. But really, it's like Deus Ex, Hotline Miami, and Dark Forces. Um, and it was it was shocking how much polish and presentation this this demo had. Like, came out of nowhere. I haven't seen anything about it. And it was just like, whoa! They have these, like, full-on cutscenes that look like they're out of, like, a, you know, a 1998 PC game. Yeah. Um, the, the menus are really cool. I really like the way the characters look when they talk. And all the cutscenes were really awesome. Yeah, you try. what happened to you, Kevin? 
So I played uh, up to, well, okay. I read. I, it's funny. I read about it online, and I was like, they they are like, oh, it, it's like it's like Dark Forces. It's like a sword fighting game that looks like it takes place in Narsh or Dark Forces Narshadalov. I was like, no, that's what I wanted to make. That's the game that I wanted to make. God damn it! That's literally the game that I wanted to make. So they did it. Uh, it's a I, and I played um, like I said for about thirty minutes. I got I didn't get to actually any real combat. I did the tutorial combat, and then I did. Uh, even you can even hit the enemy's projectiles back with the sword. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's uh, which is what I wanted to do too in a game. But anyways, I'm not gonna make that game anyway. So uh, the the uh, I got to the part where you have to like hack the comp- like use the computer to, like hack to the through the door. Mm-hmm. You know, and I could not get past it. I was like using like I was like wow this requires like actual some command syntax <laughs> from like a terminal like actual command syntax. Uh, yeah, and I was a little like whoa what the hell. <laughs> I was having some trouble getting. I got the uh, the uh, storage array to come down, okay. but then I hurt my leg and I couldn't jump up there. Oh, you hurt your leg? Yeah, so you have the full. And I don't have any healing items. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Do you have to go up there. Is that where you're supposed to go? You do have to go up there. That that shit is actually pretty intense. Where you have to put in the full. You have to like proper syntax. Put in your login and password, and then like go through the yeah. like the menu directories and find yeah. the right command prompts. I'm like, wow, I haven't done this. That in game will not years. be on console. Wow. No. <laughs> not with that. Um, at least that's like you actually need a keyboard to, uh, to get past that. There's puzzle. no way. Yeah. It, it's the so the difficulty of this game and some of the like. There's some real difficulty spikes. There was a few moments where I had to just watch a video, to figure out where the hell I had to go because there's some insane platforming, which I think. Uh, is not mm. the strongest part of the game, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> do you have to like climb into the walls like with your like cat hands, like Doom no, Guy? No, you, you do these okay. like weird little like <laughs> launching jumps, and it's like every oh, yeah. jump that you do, there's something that's gonna smack you in the head unless you you're like pixel perfect. Like the the, the platforming oh. is not my favorite part of the game. Um, they I like it's like Star Wars aliens. Oh yeah, yeah. It looked like that was so awesome really cool They're like dark forces it did yeah um yeah it's like deus ex and dark forces so much the combat encounters are are very fast you die really quick and so do the enemies yeah. so you you have to kind of do this stuff where you're just like going in there just like headshot 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 and drop them really fast and it was like it, it felt great like the the combat felt really really just spectacular i, I was not and using you have a sword. sword i didn't use the sword uh, you didn't use a sword? Dude, I play Counter-Strike. I don't use swords. What are you talking about? Uh, I, I was going for oh. headshots, which were very satisfying. Oh, okay. Uh, I was using the sword. Yeah. But I actually didn't get to really fight anyone outside of the tutorial. <laughs> yeah. You should uh, you should give it another chance. I don't know. I will. It's I will. Fortune's Run. The demo's on Steam. It is oozing with style and polish. Everything about it is pretty good, except for that platforming. I just I didn't like the platforming. Also, <laughs> I just want to mention the menus... Were straight out of the late nineties, oh, yeah. like two thousand late nineties menus. Like I've, I, I was like, this is what is this Unreal Tournament ninety nine? Like I haven't seen menus like this in years. Like you could just type in a number for like all of the things. Ah, oh, I was, I loved it. I was like, I want these menus again. I don't want this like move this cursor circle around with my right stick to like hit. the I hate that. So that's that's the worst menu design. <laughs> the triple A modern game menus controllers not good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, check it out, uh, Oren. What's the fucking deal with immersive sims? We've been talking about this this episode. We keep bringing up his terms. What 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 is an immersive sim? Uh, yeah. I don't know. You guys are gonna have to tell me because I I thought it was one thing. Yeah. But then I've heard people say like, no. Can I say what I think it is? Yeah. 
Because sure. I had a thought that what it was, and Aaron said he thought it was wasn't exactly right. So like, maybe it wasn't, but I, I thought it was was a game that has a lot of systems that it's building. No, you said like, security like it has systems. Some, well, that no, my example was oh, like Bioshock has all these security systems that like you can like in different states. You can be like oh, you like this camera spotted you, or it spots an enemy, and then it has, sends the guard the enemies after them, or like um, you know turrets that can be in different states as well. Like this the system systemic stuff that you can do with in the world, or you can like burn the burn the burn the gas with your fire attack or like electrocute the water like i think that to me is what the immersive sim is like it has systems that you can so you can kind of do an encounter different ways like you don't have there's no, there shouldn't be like a one solution way to, to, to do an encounter there should be able to have like a couple different ways and it seems like stealth is an element but then it also isn't mm-hmm. and I, I my opinion there's two genres there's thief-like ones mm-hmm. and there's system shock-like ones. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. I think they're two different games. Mm-hmm. And I, ultimately, I, for me, is what I was saying with Dishonored Two. The thief style is not my. As we kind of, I was even jokingly alluding to, it's not really what I like. The thief. Uh, the other style is like usually sci-fi, not always, but it ha- Bioshock's biopunk, but it's close enough to cyberpunk, right? And also horror and Metroidvania. So like exploration is a big thing. Discovery is a big thing atmosphere is a big thing not that it's not atmosphere is not big in the other ones but it's a different type of atmosphere i think the horror atmosphere is a big part of the uh the the system shock immersive sim prey and you know all that stuff well what about but then what about like something like hitman i know yeah so i think i think that those are uh i don't know are those immersive sims or just stealth games because you see i would i don't know because i would call hitman an immersive sim because my definition that i've defined for myself is you have a goal, and the game gives you all these tools to achieve that goal. So you can stealth it, you can shoot it, you can disguise it, you can do whatever, but you just have to achieve that goal. Here are your tools. Like so that, would Assassin's Creed be immersive sim? Uh, Why not? I guess Assassin's Creed I wouldn't just define because there really is only about two ways really one way can, it's really just stealth i feel like but i don't know you can go loud you can go loud you can like throw the body and poison it they'll like check it out and they'll die or far cry is far cry in sim i just feel like it's like far cry 2 is, is i don't know it's working in that world a bit um far cry 3 2 uh well okay let's back up to because i think we we there was a lot there is 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 immersive sim is it a genre is it is it a broader philosophy of game design is it something else what do you guys think I think it's inaccurate. Is it a bad? Should we just stop using word? I think we should just call it like a system shock like or something like oh that, or like thief like. Well, honestly, I think that's more accurate. Like we yeah. have Souls like, yeah. we have Doom clone. Like those are those are more accurate to to, to what it is because immersive sim refers to, like I said, I think two different genres, two different styles of games. What do you and think is like, the oh, distinction between those? Like like if you, like what because they seem like they have more in common than not to me. But what do you think it would be the distinction? Thief. I don't think thief and system shock are that similar. Uh okay, like System Shock is not a stealth game. You could play it as a stealth game. You can. I think you can. <laughs> I never stealthed in it. Yeah, I think you can. Can you stealth in Bioshock? Uh, a bit. You can definitely stealth in How? in uh Prey. Prey, you can. Yeah. Well, can can I can I give you like kind of a sense of how kind of finicky this genre is? Is that I hear people call Deathloop as an immersive sim a lot. Like that, that is an immersive sim. And to me, that game is less immersive sim than Cyberpunk 2077, which I don't hear being called an immersive sim. To me, Cyberpunk gives you so many tools 
in so many ways to tackle objectives while Deathloop to me ultimately was like fuck it I'm just going to shoot everything because that's the easiest way to do what I have to do hmm. but like that that's kind of how finicky the genre is to me like like what do we call an immersive sim why is this called that like what about Stalker mm. I think Stalker's in the system shock world it's a horror game it's Metroidvania exploration discovery is a big part of the game yeah atmosphere and uh yeah. Should we? All right. Let's let's back it up even a couple more steps. Let's quickly go <laughs> go through some history here. Do, do you guys know your your history of the immersive sim? Gonna get out mm. that Wikipedia. I got the article. Wikipedia page. If we want. Is so, it? Is it not? Is it not? <laughs> system Shock is not the original. No, System Shock. Well, actually, uh, no. Ultima Underworld, The Stygian Abyss, right? Okay. And I think this is gonna help so clarify. Yes. Why? What? What right. makes? immersive simminess which i think I, I think it's simminess it's more of a quality than a genre maybe i mean that's kind of how i think yeah, about that, it that might be that might be right actually um right so like ultima underworld it's an immersive simulation right it's immersive in that it's first person and that the world is is highly simulated so that you can di- use the different systems of simulation to solve problems um and it's coming from ultima which is 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 a series based off of Dungeons and Dragons and pen and paper RPGs where dungeon masters and players have exert an enormous amount of creative control over the direction of the story, right? So so we have PC CRPGs that want to translate that to gaming. And then we have first person games that want to take that kind of open-endedness and bring it into first person games, right? So Looking Glass does this with Ultima Underworld and System Shock, and then Thief and. Can you stealth in um in in uh in? I don't think so. Digging Abyss. I don't think I I okay. you might. So stealth is not necessarily an early progenitor. It's hard to say because I, I don't think you can really stealth in System Shock one. Yeah, I didn't, that's what I was asking. Can you? Stealth oh, in I thought you were talking Shock? about two. Because you can uh, you at no, two, right? I, I didn't. I don't know if you can. I, yeah. I didn't try. Um, no, I don't know that you can. Still, I mean, System Shock One is like can a in two. very in two. They are looking for you. Okay. That you can in two. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So System Shock One, I don't think you can. But System Shock One is also a very crude, you know, early version, unrefined. I don't know. What do you think about this one? Well, I, this is actually a question that I have for you guys because I'm kind of looking at the Wikipedia article, and it says that it emphasizes player choice. Mm-hmm. And it's using interactive, reactive, and consistent game systems to create immersion gameplay and a sense of player and agency. And when I hear that definition, I'm like, isn't that just a role-playing game? So, like, what is the core difference between, like, a role-playing game that emphasizes player choice and an immersive sim? So, like, if you were to define that to a layman... Well, okay, here's actually the segue that I didn't use but was going to use. You know when you're playing a video game and your friend who doesn't play video games is watching and they keep asking you annoying questions like, why don't you pick up that chair and use it to get over the wall? Or why don't you throw that thing back at the at the guy who's shooting it, you know, the grenade, pick it up and throw it back at them and you're like, well, that's not how the game plays, right? Because the game systems don't allow you to do that. In an immersive sim, every weird little logical thing that your friend who's never played a video game says could potentially work right because that's what like like immersive sims or like at a at a foundational philosophical level want to create worlds where you can make logical jumps and solve problems um i don't know how well they actually do that but like like that's that's the hope right i think it's a good analogy i think that works yeah i follow that analogy 
But like, that makes why sense. why can't that just be called a role playing game? Because like, because like, what makes that different? Because you can't do that in role-playing games, right? If I'm sitting there playing Final Fantasy, or we could even go, let's say, The Witcher Part 3, right? I can't solve problems using logical... You know, I have to solve problems the way the game wants me to. Right. There's no simulation. Yeah, I remember in Prey, like, you could go around and, like, find key cards for uh, doors, or you could just use that Nerf gun to shoot the button... Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, and that would open the, the door. Or you could destroy yeah, you vulnerable boxes. Can we also just quickly mm-hmm. mention the elephant in the room here, CRPGs? Yeah. Wasteland and Larian games and Divinity and all that. Those are, those are RPGs, but they do have these elements that you're referring to, right? Um, are they immersive sims? I don't know. They get close. They definitely are playing in the same play space, which comes back to is Hitman, is Metal Gear Solid Five, is Breath of the Wild, is um, you know Valheim or something like I don't know, like games that do take some of these ideas. That's that's why I think it's like it's like a quality, right? It's got some immersive semi-ness. I, I like that better than a genre because because I think you're right, Kevin. So there that's are... why I said mm-hmm. way back when that GTA, when you're in the open world segments, is like an immersive right. sim because there's so many systems in place in the game mm-hmm. that, are, that you can mess this traffic. There's police, there's fire departments, there's ambulances, there's water comes out of place. You can do all these all these things that you can do in the game. You can t- kind of pl- play with that you can't in a lot of other games. Yeah. So, but GTA, you, no one would say GTA is immersive sim, but I think there's like I think there's a piece of it in the, in the systemic world design. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, good point. Uh, do you guys think that bringing it back to Cyberpunk, I think Cyberpunk, of all the open world games that I've played, is probably the one that bridges the, those genres the most. Yeah. Of immersive sim and RPG. So I would completely agree. I think I said that way back in the day. But one of the influences for Cyberpunk is Deus Ex, right? And I think if we're actually going right. to find yeah, no question genres <laughs> of immersive sim, it's probably thief system shock 2 and then deus ex and system shock 2 and deus ex have a lot in common but they also have some divergences um so that game is is clearly inspired by deus ex which i think finally some people people have been talking about that game for 20 years uh like yeah yeah but no i i love that's one of the things i I mean as i said i love so much about cyberpunk is that it is i wouldn't call it an immersive sim but it's definitely like picking and pulling from from the immersive sim and, and like you know taking some of that good shit and bringing it over there i i kind of think that the promise of an open world and one of the reasons that open world games disappoint people so often is that they promise that sort of like thing that i was talking about where you know you're playing video games with your friend who doesn't play games that watches they're like why don't you do this like everybody thinks of an open world game is going to be i can go there i can do anything you know and, and literally interact with everything but obviously you can simulate it an open world like that yeah. Would it be weird? Instead of being other stuff. Would it be weird if I said then, kind of going off of that logic, I hate to like kind of fixate on this point, but is it okay if I say then that Deathloop is not an immersive sim and it's just a shooter with simmy elements? Because that's how I feel about that game. I don't think it's an immersive sim. <laughs> but that's just totally an opinion. I feel like, it, in my opinion, it is because it has all the hallmarks of the genre. It's just like lighter. It's like less... They're like not as depth and they're not as punishing the elements of it. But like it has the stealth, it has the like you can have the powers, you can like do the dishonored things. Like I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel I just feel like it is a shooter though. That's why I like yeah. it, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's like if you give the player all of these options, right, to tackle an objective, and it's like, oh, shooting everybody is way easier than all the other options, does it become an immersive sim anymore? Because, like, I feel like the best immersive sims are the ones that incentivize you to take different approach, and they're all, they all are logical approaches, and they're all, and you could take whichever one you feel like. Devloop is a perfect example of the game where it's like, oh, there's a clearly easy way to do this. And the other ways are not as easy or as fulfilling, mm. in my opinion. So I play that game with stealth a lot. I use the cloak where you can sit still with the cloak and you can hack like stuff while you're... And if you don't move, you don't lose any power. I cloak... I spend like half my time cloaked in that game. All with right. the like crisis stealth mode engaged. Like I spend... That's how I play that game. It's really... I don't... I really like playing that game stealthy. So like, I don't know. I feel like... uh uh I think we should. I guess, like, my thought is, like, I just dislike prescribed gameplay. And they're like, you have to do it this way. Right. Like, and that's, like, I think the antithesis of, like, what the genre is even supposed to be. Right. So, I don't know. I think it's cool that you can shoot stuff in that game. That's why I thought Metal Gear Solid 5 was like, oh, I can go kill everyone if I want to, or I can be sneaky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, that, is MGS 5 an immersive sim, you think? Off of that logic? I don't know. It's got some simminess. Simmy elements. Yeah. Could- what, about, what about Stalker? So, I think stalker's well, that's got simminess. Oh, oh, I thought you said soccer for a second. Soccer. <laughs> is, is soccer, soccer is FIFA. Soccer on NES. Shadow of Chernobyl. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, it, it just seems like the definition is so vague and has been applied in so many circumstances that like, uh, like I think you, I think the best way to do it is how Kevin defined it is just to look back at the origins of it and be like, okay, is it like Thief, System Shock or Deus Ex? Yeah. You know. yeah, that seems to make the most sense to me is to be like, just because personally, people be like, oh, you should play this game, it's Immersive Sim, and then I'm like, I'll play it, and I'm like, I don't really like this that much, like, I don't want to sword fight these weird guys, and not, it's just, it's just, it's just, like, this isn't like System Shock at all, Yeah, this isn't anything like System Shock, this isn't even like the same genre, why would you recommend, it's like, oh, well, it's Immersive Sim, well, I think that's a misnomer. I think it's. Uh, I think it should be more precise. Not you guys per se, but people. We should be more precise when we talk about this genre because I think yeah. there's some imprecision when you just call it immersive sim. I think you're you're missing a lot. I agree, and I think going back to Thief, like because Thief Thief is a game where you really can't, you cannot play it loud. Thief is a game where you have to. It's it is it is a stealth game first and foremost, and and like what makes it an immersive sim is that it, you're using systems and you you can make logical choices based off the systems of light and sound and you know uh, placement and stuff. But like you're not you couldn't play that game like Doom Eternal. You couldn't just rush through and blast everybody. You'd get fucked up in a second. The same thing with Gloomwood. Like you, you can you can kind of play loud in Gloomwood. You can take like an explosive barrel and put it next to a bunch of dudes and shoot it and blow them up. But like if you try to fight five guys with your weapons, you, you may not. You might survive, but it's 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 going to be way harder than sneaking around them is. Yeah. Definitely. Here, here's another thing to kind of throw a wrench into this is uh, I'm, I'm reading through the Wikipedia article and apparently Gone Home was inspired by immersive sims. Yep, so are yep. we calling Gone Home an immersive sim now? Is that uh, is so that... I'm actually I even think that uh, you could say that game. Yeah, like to some extent, it's not an immersive sim, but it's of that lineage, right? Like the four, five, one lineage. Uh, Gone Home was made by who was the name of the person? recently got like uh steve gainer oh, right. steve anyway steve gainer, gainer worked yeah. on on uh system shock 2 and took that knowledge right oh, okay. so like i think you could have an immersive sim that is totally without combat you know what i mean 
Like okay. I, it's hard for me to say exactly what that might be, but like like Gone Home, I don't I wouldn't call that quite an immersive sim because there's not that many. I don't think you can like you know get into rooms. It is funny because sometimes immersive sims threaten to be games about breaking into rooms. <laughs> like how many ways can you break <laughs> into a room? That's an immersive sim. Forty ways to get in the room. It's true. Yeah. Security systems. Security systems. That's what you were saying that one day. You were like, security systems are what make immersive sims. Uh, it's like, well, there's the doors locked, there's the security cameras, there's the turrets, there's the bots, there's the, you know, mm-hmm. there's like the alarm states. And, and I, I think Wolfenstein as well has some semi elements in that regard. It has like the stealth and it has the like alert states and the, like, yeah. it has like, it has some of that. It has a little bit of it, a little bit. So I wouldn't say that a stealth game in, in and of itself makes is enough to start right that's why Assassin's Creed isn't yeah but also Assassin's Creed is like there's like no systems to play with other than the stealth right yeah. like you can't like yeah however into, I would say yeah. Hitman Hitman has like a ton of systems like yeah. if you want to like you can go up to the pathing of an NPC throw a coin and lead them with coins into like a totally different room and then kill them with a fish wearing a clown outfit you know it's like there's like so yeah. so much you could do um but uh what is how what was the first time you guys heard this term i think i'll say mark brown what, you that's say what? so funny that's so funny that you say that kevin because um mark brown because i'm looking at the wikipedia article and it's funny that youtubers have so much credibility at this point that the Mark Brown from Game Maker's Toolkit is cited yeah. in the concept of like Mark Brown defines it as, and I'm like, that's so funny. Because um, I remember he made a video on it, and I thought like, oh yeah, Bioshock and System Shock had these kind of elements. I remember this. That was cool about these games. And then I thought of like a bunch of other games where I like pitted the NPCs against each other, like they're these kind of systemic factions, like Stalker, and it's like fun to 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 pl- play with that stuff. It's like this kind of playful about it mm-hmm. but i think uh warren specter coined it right oh warren yeah term. uh i want to say he like did like the 90s um yeah yeah actually on the wikipedia page there's a great quote from warren specter he says that immersive sims create the feeling that you are there nothing stands between you and the belief that you're in an alternate world and i think this sort of idea of the holodeck right like the holodeck is the ultimate mm-hmm. immersive sim Right, and maybe maybe you just mm-hmm. play like the seduction game where you go to bars and pick up you know people or something like that could be an immersive sim or or like th- there could be anything right like whatever you saw Riker and Picard doing on the Next Generation but like like the immersive sim is sort of like what people think video games are like but they really rarely are <laughs> it's like yeah. environments that simulate as much as possible so Dwarf Fortress would be like the ultimate immersive sim yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, that game is like systems upon systems upon. It is insane. A simulation game. Yeah. This guy, the developer, was talking about how they had in their bar, a bunch of these cats kept getting drunk, and they're like, "Why does this keep happening in this game?" And it was because like the dwarves were drinking, and they had like a chance of like spilling their drink, and like it would like it would like in the game programming would like go. This is all systems, not scripted. It would like go off and like run off the thing, and the cats were like thirsty in that area, so they were like drinking the beer, and they kept getting drunk. But this is all happening in the systems of the game. It wasn't like scripted. <laughs> Dwarf Fortress is insane. Uh, it's crazy. I know. I'm like, I want to play that game. It's just, just reading about that, they want to play that game. But okay, so you said Mark Brown was the first time you heard it. Orin, is that is that true for you too, or did you? What, what is your origin of hearing this term? 
I think I actually heard it first from you, Aaron. You're the one who started using it, and I was like, isn't that funny? Yeah, I just got it it from you. It's extra Um, funny, because I was about to say that, like, that's, it's it's a game I feel like I heard, like, game nerd hipsters online using a lot in the mid, uh, the last decade, like 2015, people, and I was like, huh, what is that? But I think Mark Brown clarified it. Uh, by the mm. way, uh, I I have two things, two additional things to say. Kevin, well, here I'll ask this first. Kevin, did you find the door in Deathloop where the door says you know what this number is? The first door. Yeah. Did you right? figure it out right away? Uh, Not the first I did, door. I I oh oh I the first door I tried the thing and it blew up. I tried the the code of course. Four five one it blew up. Yeah. And it, then it, I did try the door and and it did work on that door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, always thought that, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, but uh, the so other, that that yeah. is like the uh, quickly that that is like the uh, immersive sim in joke. Like the '90s FPS is with the dope fish. Like every game has, they all have the dope fish in it. Like everything has it. All the '90s retro FPS games have the dope fish. So there, there are some oh. sims. I always tried yeah. to, like, I never understood that in Doom Eternal, the dope fish, but now I get it. Yeah, it, it's in every <laughs> game. It was it was drawn by Tom Hall and Commander Keen. It's just like the, like the dumbest being in the in the gout in the universe. Mm. <laughs> it's That's a so fish funny. with like two buck teeth. Yeah, it's in every like 90s FPS game. Like if, if, if it's on that lineage, they all have it. Hmm. That's so funny. Even like the new Postal has it, brain damage. It's, it's in all of them. Quake. Um, right. The uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up is that like I read that um, uh, that book by Jason Trier, the expose book earlier this year, and a lot of the people associated with immersive immersive sims are kind of like cursed at this point in the sense of like I know <laughs> like uh, Warren Spector mm. and uh, mm. Ken Levine. Wait, Warren Spector is now. Well, War- Levine. Well, War- Warren Spector isn't canceled, but I just know that he has gone through some shit. Yeah, <laughs> like after reading yeah. that book. No, just... let's talk about that. So there is the curse of the immersive sim. Uh, frequently joked about that immersive sims are regularly commercially unsuccessful, even though they're critically well received. Um, Looking Glass went out of business making immersive sims. War Inspector went and made Deus Ex, and this company went out of business more because of John Romero. But we'll, we'll, we'll ignore that. Um, like almost every immersive sim has been like a critical hit or a critical cult classic, but like a commercial failure with the exception of like Bioshock and the Bioshock, first yeah. Dishonored game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prey was a failure too? Prey was a big failure. That sucks. Yeah. Which the best one. led people. There was articles in 2017 about the death of the immersive sim. We're not going to get any more big budget immersive sims. Which, which, what do you guys think the future holds? I mean, Redfall is supposed to be right. Arcane at least exists, and Arcane I think isn't going anywhere. So they're carrying the torch. I think you have to do what Cyberpunk did. You have to mm. like marry it with like a genre of people recognize, whether it be you know like an open world RPG. I feel like that's the way to do it. Um, I think I have a theory about this. I think people like casual gamers don't like having so much choice in games, totally. yeah. which is why You're they don't right. like playing them. Yeah, that's my theory. I feel like it's like immersive sim is like the antithesis of like a Sony AAA game, like God of War or something is like nothing like yeah. immersive sim. Right. Yeah. It, it, so. 
traditionally immersive sims don't lead you by the nose. I think Orin, you're completely correct that, the, and that is the yeah. problem is how, people have to find the fun. They have to make their own fun. And for a lot of people, it's like, fuck that. I just want to be entertained. Right. So like immersive sims have a hard time finding an audience. The audience can be really niche. Um, yeah. What about, what about like Minecraft sandbox games? Cause they have a lot of systems in them, like water and all these other things that are happening. Sure. That are, I, of the wild. I don't know. I feel like uh, Minecraft gets less immersive sim because I feel like immersive sims, like a key component is like problem solving. And I'm not saying Minecraft doesn't have that, but I feel like Minecraft is more like, like a sandbox. Like you can kind of do whatever you want. I just, I just think like there's elements of that could be using systems to solve a problem. Like I, like oh we have, we're mining and there's this huge water in the lava and we have to like figure this like I just feel like I've had systems a lot of times in that game where I had systems I had to like figure out how to make them or the redstone which I haven't even touched never bothered with but I don't know I'm just thinking of like oh systems to solve problems in an, in, a, in an open-ended way like sandbox games are like filled with that mm-hmm. it's a it's such a loose definition you know immersive sim yeah like uh, yeah. I, I will say though if you want like a really stark example of like what an immersive simmy like game is and a stealth game is play hitman absolution mm. and then play the new hitman games because hitman absolution to me is like a proper like linear stealth game that in my opinion is unsuccessful while the new hitman games are like here you go just figure it out here are your tools <laughs> you can choose how to do this however you want Hmm. Well, one thing that I have thought, and a lot of people thought, I think particularly about five years ago after Prey was kind of announced to be a sort of commercial flop, was, well, why don't people go and make games that are technologically on the same level of a Deus Ex or a Thief or a System Shock 2, but, you know, incorporating some, some modern knowledge and techniques and engines, and why don't we get some of these, like, indie games? And I think we're starting to see the fruits of that now. Like the indie scene is, is picking up the slack where the triple A space is, is not as much able to. Yeah. What's an example of that? Gloomwood, uh, fortunes run. Okay. I see um, what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Like, gotcha. I mean, games that are literally try taking like, like fortunes run is, Hey, we really like, we like uh, Deus Ex. And uh, we like some Star Wars, so <laughs> let's do it, right? Uh, Gloomwood is like, hey, let's make Thief, but let's make it a little more apro- approachable and kind of sand off just a few of those, those rough edges. But like, whereas like Dishonored is like AAA's version of like, ah, oh, spiritual successor to Thief that kind of like loses a lot in translation. Gloomwood loses very little of what made Thief special. Do you think the clunk is a required for Mercer Sims? Because that's, that's the big, my big stink with them is they often are not fun to play mm-hmm. um, for me at least um, and or they just are frustrating to play bad game feel be, Deus Ex yeah. is the king of all of yeah. these or maybe Thief I don't know one of those two De- Deus Ex I don't know man <laughs> that game's rough it's it's amazing like, I love the setting and the vibe so much but I can never play that game I just can't bring myself to, to play it it's just it's painful that's why I was like oh just like uh, De- Deathloop like plays great mm-hmm. it feels really good to fight in that game and I think actually to a lesser extent, Prey as well. Mm-hmm. I think Prey felt really good as well. And Bioshock even. But often they seem to... 
I mean, Dishonored I feels they good feel, too. They feel rougher. I don't. I don't think. I think Gloomid feels better, much better than than. Um, it, okay. And Fortune's Run feels great. Like Fortune's Run yeah. is like, hey, let's let's give you like basically like Quake style shooting or maybe more Fear style shooting, but with a Deus Ex game. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess we could wrap up this conversation here. But any any final thoughts you guys have? I think we covered it. Okay. Immersive Sims. Yeah. That's uh, that. We, I don't think we've con- decided what they are exactly yet, but uh, we, we got an idea. There's a taste there, right? It's like a mommy. What's the best one? Quickly. What's your favorite? There's Sims? no. There's not even a question. Prey. Prey's the best one. Yeah, it's Prey. Yeah, it's Prey. <laughs> well, for me well, too. well. Here's the thing. Like, the, and the, this will will you know finish off the discussion. But I was just gonna say, like, for me, it would be Hitman. Mm. Like, yeah. which I know a lot of people don't call an immersive sim, but like, when I hear the definition, that's the one that I think captures it the most, but that just kind of goes to show that mm-hmm. it is an, a definition that is ever changing and we don't totally know what it is. And it means a lot to a lot of different people. So yeah, I, I think that's the big takeaway from this conversation. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think it's yeah more of a flavor than a genre or something. It's, but um, I, I hope to see more triple a games incorporate elements the way like, you know, Metal Gear Solid or uh, Breath of the Wild or even Cyberpunk did. So uh, quickly, well, let's, okay, let's move to personal recs and then I'll, I'll, I'll make a quick few statements. Uh, Oren, do you want to, you want to get a, your rec out of the way? Yeah, I'll make this quick. Um, I have been watching Atlanta season four and I think it is, it's really good. I, li- I like it a lot. Um, I really loved the first two seasons of, of, of Atlanta. Those are two of my favorite seasons ever. I thought season three of Atlanta was kind of shaky um, and pretty inconsistent in a way that I thought was kind of unsatisfying. But it seems like season four, they're off. Like, I've liked the first two episodes more than pretty much all of season three. So it feels like they're on a track that I'm I'm good with. And it's the final season, so I'm excited about that. Um and I guess one other personal rec, I started watching Andor, the Star mm-hmm. Wars show. And uh, you know what? I like it. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that. I, I like it. Uh, episode three had some really good stuff in it. Like mm. I was really impressed with some of the storytelling in episode three. It, it does some really creative intercutting, um, like thematic intercutting to show like the hero's journey and where the characters are at. And Stellan Skarsgård is really good, really good in the show. Uh, yeah. I can't believe I'm saying something positive about Star it's Wars the after second after, Star Wars show this year, or it's the third. Oh, you're right. Oh my god. Because I watched Boba Fett. I hated Boba Fett. Boba Fett, in my opinion, is the worst Star Wars thing I've ever consumed. I hated hmm. Boba Fett. Obi Wan had some good things, but overall, bad show. This show is promising. It's a, a promising show. I uh, but that's very tentative. I don't want to like get hyped about it because I've been burned so much. But yeah, like I like I it, it's off to a good start. Anyway, yeah. those are my personal recs. Uh, yeah. yeah, all right. I also have watched Andor. I watched the first two episodes. It's interesting in that it's trying. It's the first time in a Star Wars thing I've seen both a brothel and a booty call. Um, yeah, it's, it's trying to be a more adult, gritty, disconnected from the broader universe. Star Wars. It's a 
prequel to Rogue One, which is a prequel to A New Hope. And it's basically like the production design is like, imagine you only saw episode four or whatever start you know a new hope and the empire strikes back and that's it and that's that's all you can base your designs and off so it's it's very much in that kind of star wars it, it seems good but it does feel i'm just i don't know the disney i can feel the sort of disney overlords over my shoulder while i'm watching it so we'll see but it's it's worth checking out i think well there there is one thing that i really appreciated from the first episode a character kills another character in cold blood cold blood yeah and i'm like okay finally (laughs) i I feel like disney hasn't yeah exactly it's like finally disney gave me that so i'm like okay (laughs) it was good because you were like you know he has to kill this person this is like literally the beginning of the episode but uh yeah anyway whatever uh okay so uh kevin what what do you got for us um i've been listening to a lot of well okay i've been playing cyberpunks i'm listening to a lot of like uh, industrial techno, mm-hmm. like the like uh, stuff that's somewhat in Hotline Miami. Um, so I'm gonna recommend if you haven't heard it, if you, it's an older album now, uh, Aleph by uh, Gisalfstein or Mike Levy. Uh, very good album, I think. Uh, yeah, is really interesting to me as a drummer too because he'll like be like, okay, I'm gonna lay down a, a rhythm for you. It's gonna be syncopated, and then I'm gonna build on it in all these different really cool ways and slightly change it through the whole song, but keep this same groove going. And it's really, he does it in a really cool way. He has a really good understanding of rhythm, but also pacing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if you're making a song based after basically, not always, but often one rhythm, making it interesting, and like, I want to keep listening to the song over and over again, it's great. Like, it kind of gets into this, like, trance-like thing. I feel this way about Meshuga as well. It's very cool. Um, I really like him a lot. I've also been listening to an artist called Gold Geisha, hmm. who also is the similar genre hmm. and uh, very good. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I love Gesellstein. I'll have to check out Gold Geisha. Good Rex, Kev. Thanks. Um, nice. My rec is actually going to be a practice. And Kevin, this this is inspired by you. We were having a conversation the other day, and you said you were still watching The X-Files. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. are you that you were watching The X-Files. And I was like, you're still yeah. watching The X-Files? Because yeah, it still. feels to me like he's been watching The X-Files. Now, granted, there's there's like... 300 episodes or something but for years um and kevin was saying look i don't binge which i I agree with i want to watch you know one or two episodes a week and kind of chew on this and meditate on each episode and treat it like an end in itself and so Mm -hmm. kevin i think that is a great practice and i recommend that people who are watching stuff i'm watching better call saul which i'm enjoying and i'm kind of not fully taking that approach but i'm not binging i'm watching one or two maybe three episodes a week at most and kind of trying to you know enjoy it for each episode and, and kind of live with it a little bit. And I think even more so, this is something that having Game of Thrones come back made me realize I was missing. Maybe set a time, have a little ritual around it. Maybe like every Sunday night or Friday mm-hmm. night, get together with your partner or your friends and watch that one episode and talk about it, even if it's an old show. And, you know, capture something that was lost in this new digital world where everybody just like mainlines everything in three seconds. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's isn't it great? I, I'm so glad that you appreciate it too. It's been amazing. That's how I watched intentionally watched the third season of Twin Peaks. And I really mm. feel like we benefited from it because there's a lot to digest on there. But even X Files, there's a lot there's a lot going on in these episodes. Like someone and I will like will discuss kind of like what like what happened there. Like like what do we how we feel about it. So I, it's it's good. It's kinda like safer a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's good stuff. I appreciate the uh Yeah. Yeah. On that. I don't know. Uh <laughs> Also, quick shout out, the new Lord of the Rings show is a little stupid, but incredibly, uh, it's a high budget, it's a billion dollar show, so I recommend people watch it, if only for the spectacle. Uh, it's not boring. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm liking it alright. New Game of Thrones show is pretty awesome, and that's, that's, I think that's all I got for you, but. Uh, uh, I have a, I have a couple things I want to 
mention. Uh, first of all, Vince Gilligan worked on the X Files. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he he discovered Brian Cranston from it. Um, like and anyway, uh, after he he did Breaking Bad, he did Better Call Saul. He is abandoning that universe, and he, now he's doing a supernatural show. So he's going back to his roots. Ooh. And he's mm. casting Rhea, uh, Kim Wexler, Rhea Seahorn from Better Call Saul as the lead. Oh. So I'm very intrigued. Very, that very intrigued. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say, uh, I remember d- uh, 2017 during Halloween season, which is coming up, I would watch an episode of Twin Peaks The Return like, like kind of like once a night. So I would just mm-hmm. do like one night, then the next night, then the next night. And I, I thought that was a really fun way to do Halloween season was to watch Twin Peaks The Return just in all of October like that. Not binge mm-hmm. it, but just do like, you know, consistently watch it throughout October. So that will be another personal recommendation. Find a horror show. Mm. Any like good horror show. My recommendation obviously would be The Return. but and And just like use that as your Halloween season theme where you just like watch one episode like every couple days or whatever yeah awesome i love it sounds nice to me yeah i love watching horror movies although it's kind of hard to convince my partner sometimes to watch them but uh Mm. that's that's what uh that's what my own little office man cave is for all right guys that that was fun oren i know you got to run and uh madden we love you as always and uh we'll be back in two weeks i hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you for listening adios Thank you.